ridge by the desk. A loose stone square. His bad luck. All the others were flat and perfectly even. Hardly thinking, Salam wedged his fingers into the gap between the squares and prized out the loose one. It being too murky to see, he felt for the ground below, but his hand just sank into a narrow but deep hole. Now he felt something solid, cool to the touch. A tin box. At last, money. The box was difficult to lift, but at last he got it out. It was locked. He found a letter opener lying on the desk and slid it under the thin tin of the lid, leaning on the blade to lever up the metal all the way along one side. Tipping it to one side, he could make the object inside slide out. The second he saw it, he was disappointed. It was a clay tablet, engraved with a few random squiggles, like so many of the others he had seen tonight, many of them smashed to the ground. But if someone had gone to such lengths to hide this, maybe it was worth something. Tel Aviv, Saturday night, several years later. The usual crowd was there. The hardcore leftists, the men with their hair grown long after a year travelling in India, the girls with diamond studs in their noses, the people who always turned up for these Saturday night get-togethers. They would sing the familiar songs, Shir le Shalom, the song for peace, and hold the trusted props, the candles cupped in their hands, or the portraits of the man himself, Yitzhak Rabin, the slain hero who had given his name to this piece of hallowed ground so many years earlier. They would form the inner circle at Rabin Square, whether handing out leaflets and bumper stickers or softly strumming guitars, letting the tunes drift into the warm Mediterranean night air. Beyond the core there were newer, less familiar faces. To veterans of these peace raffles, the most surprising sight was the ranks of Mizrahim, working-class North African Jews who had long been among Israel's most hawkish voters. We know the Arabs, they would say, referring to their roots in Morocco, Tunisia or Iraq. We know what they are really like. Permanently wary of Israel's Palestinian neighbours, most had long scorned the leftists who showed up at rallies like this. Yet here they were. The cameras, from Israeli TV and all the major international networks, swept over the crowd, picking out more unexpected faces. Banners in Russian, held aloft by immigrants to Israel from the old Soviet Union, another traditionally hard-line constituency. An NBC cameraman framed a shot which made his director coo. A man wearing a kippah, the skullcap worn by religious Jews, next to a black Ethiopian-born woman, their faces bathed by the light of the candle in her hands. A few rows behind them, unnoticed by the camera, was an older man, unsmiling, his face taut with determination. Standing on the platform temporarily constructed for the purpose was a line of reporters describing the scene for audiences across the globe. One American correspondent was louder than all the others. You join us in Tel Aviv for what's billed as an historic night for both Israelis and Palestinians. In just a few days' time, the leaders of these two peoples are due to meet in Washington, on the lawn of the White House, to sign an agreement which will end more than a century of conflict. The two sides are negotiating in closed-door talks less than an hour from here in Jerusalem. They're trying to hammer out the fine print of a peace deal. And the location for these talks? Well, it couldn't be more symbolic, Katie. 
It's Government House, the former headquarters of the British when they ruled here. And it sits on the border that separates mainly Arab East Jerusalem from the predominantly Jewish West of the city. But tonight the action moves here to Tel Aviv. The Israeli premier has called for this rally to say Ken la Shalom, or Yes to Peace, a move designed to show the world and doubters among his own people that he has the support to conclude a deal with Israel's historic enemy. Now, there are angry and militant opponents who say he has no right to make the compromises rumored to be on the table, no right to give back land on the West Bank, no right to tear down Jewish settlements in those occupied territories, and, above all, no right to divide Jerusalem. That's the biggest stumbling block, Katie. Israel has, until now, insisted that Jerusalem must remain its capital, a single city for all eternity. For the Prime Minister's enemies, that's holy writ. And...